Welcome to episode 118 of Your Kids Next Read podcast, in which we talk about books and reading for kids of all ages. I'm Alison Tate, author of Middle Grade Adventure Series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, The Outerband Cipher, The Maven and Reed Mystery Series, and my brand new middle grade novel, The First Summer of Callie McGee. I'm here with my co-host, the, I don't even know what word to use, the <laughs> completely, oh, the costumed, exhausted and costumed, Megan Daly, teacher librarian at Children's Books Daily and author of Raising Readers and the editor of the new anthology, Teacher, Teacher. Megan and I, along with our good friend, author Alison Rushby, are founders of the Your Kids Next Read community on Facebook. Search for Your Kids Next Read there to join us. So, so what is occurring in the costume <laughs> shop of Megan this week? Because we are, in fact, recording mm. this in book week. We generally mm-hmm. record a few days before the actual episode comes out. So we are both currently well <laughs> and truly up to our ears in book week. How are you? What did you hear that hysterical laughter? <laughs> I'm um, Mrs. Malta and Mrs. Richards, who's doing um, work experience, not work experience. She's work doing experience. like a prac. Yeah, she's doing like a prac in each like, um, library technician roles. Uh, and I have decided we would do costume a day for book week, which we usually do every year. And it's been lots of fun. And Mrs. Malt has been Bev the camel. Um, and she's been oh, snap from the snap book. And, and, you know, it's been lots of fun. And today I wonder I was, if you're doing a different one every day. Well, we like, like suckers for punishment, right? We realised that halfway through the week and I've realised that today. So today I was a tiny tradie and I drove around to my brother's house last night who is has been in a former life a tradie and I borrowed a belt. The belts are really heavy, I've discovered, mm. and he also, as I was leaving, he said, that's a $200 hammer, don't lose it. And I was like, I think you should keep your $200 hammer. He's like, no, no, keep the, keep the hammer. So I added um, pencils and paintbrushes and books to the tradie belt. It was lots of fun. I had a great day. And now you've got a bad back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have, a, I have a tighter core, I think. But actually, <laughs> hilariously, as we started to record this podcast, I set the kids up upstairs. Tomorrow is the... Uh, staff book week morning tea, which we put on for them. And I've just realized I've got brownie batter between my fingers because I mixed up a brownie batter and I've asked Chickpea to put that into a dish and add some mint things to the top. And then the teen is making 50 pikelets. And I literally said, they need to be perfect. I want 50 perfect pikelets. And the boys are hanging around for the ones which are the dregs. So I've left the kids upstairs doing the book week staff morning tea and I'm downstairs with brownie batter on my fingers. So it's well, all going sounds, well. It's going sounds, well. Yeah, that sounds like pretty much <laughs> par for the course. I, I'm i actually surprised I still have a voice left. I just feel mm. like I've been doing nothing but talking. You've been um, everywhere. For weeks on end, which has been great. I spent some time with Jackie Harvey in the mm. car, which was brilliant, and we spoke to lots and lots of kids and I'm, I've, I'm sort of back locally this week doing – um, doing all the things. I spoke to a lovely librarian um, at Shell Harbour Anglican College. I just want a big shout out to Mr. Stavit, who not only was epically organised for my visit, but also created, whipped up overnight for me, a little handout sheet that I could hand out with one of my workshops. love a handout. Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was really, really good. Um, and then confessed to me on the way out, I said to him, you know, are you doing the book week dress up? And he goes, I have to, I've got a confession to make. And I'm like, okay. 
I'm a teacher librarian who does not like to dress up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Ooh, I think tough. you're going to be drummed out of the profession with that sort of thing. But he, <laughs> I gave him some ideas and he was going to, you know, give it his best shot. So big shout out. And I hope he came up with some kind of really <laughs> sensible, um, you know, sort of, can't you just be like a dad or something? Like, isn't there some, there's got to oh. be some costumes where you can just roll up in your, in your normal gear, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, all right. So uh, if you've uh, been, you know, looking at book week, if you're thinking about nothing but book week or week, maybe have a think about, I'm, I'm trying to work out how I can do this and you'd like to give out a prize. Here we mm. go. Here comes mm. my segue. Mm. Um, perhaps you'd like to give us a prize <laughs> and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> okay, that was it actually works. That was the worst segue ever. But we would love a review if you could um, do one for us up there on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference to us. It just makes us feel like someone is actually out there listening. So that would be great. Journey into Space with Universal Guide to the Night Sky by Professor Lisa Harvey-Smith with illustrations from award-winning artist Sophie Beer. This fact-filled book for 8 to 12-year-olds covers comets, meteors, planets and more. Available to buy from 29 August. All right, speaking of prizes, because these are actual prizes, let's talk about the book mail this week. Let's talk about what's landed in the post box that has made us go, wow, what have you got for us? I've actually got three books which legit made me go, wow. Legit? Super excited about them. You're so modern. I know, I'm so modern. Hmm. Uh, The first one is Count the Stars by Raywin Casely and illustrated by Gabriel Evans. Now, you, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you will probably know that I have a little bit of a soft spot for Gabriel Evans illustrations. I just think they're amazing. Now, this one I also have a very big soft spot for because the smallest bee is completely obsessed with maths. He speaks maths better than he speaks English. And he, he you know, the whole way to school, we have things counted and multiplied and patterns. And I just, my mind boggles. I do not speak maths. But this is very much a mathematical book. And I took it to, I work in a prep to year two library. And I took it to our year, prep to year two maths coordinator. And again, she was just as excited as I was because the end papers have got mathematical terms all over them and they're just absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And this is a picture book for a really young audience, like an early childhood audience, which just celebrates everything about maths and also about space. I'll read you the blurb. From the parallel lines of moonlight pouring through her bedroom blinds to counting daisy petals in the garden, Maddie adores math. If only she had a friend who marvelled at it as she does, and then Dad takes Maddie along with her new classmate, Prior, to the observatory where the unfathomable numbers of stars take their breath away. I read this book with my year ones last week, and they just adored it. They completely understood it. And like all picture books which are deeply good, this one has this thing where the text is absolutely gorgeous and um you know she always does a great text and then the illustrations take it to that next level and there was lots of stuff happening in the illustrations which you really really had to notice so I always say to my little people that I'm reading to I'm going to read the words while you read the pictures and let's see what we come up with and they noticed so many other things when Maddie was cooking with her friends you know you could see that she was very much interested in the measuring and her friends were over there decorating the cupcakes i would have been on team decorate um and when she was playing with dolls with her friends 
they were she when she was playing dolls, they were playing with the dolls and she was making 3D shapes. It was just gorgeous. And it's about this little girl who's who's wonders if maybe maths isn't as cool as, as she, you know she thinks it is, but it's about finding her mathematical identity and celebrating it. I just thought it was such a clever concept. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed with it. I just it's one of those picture books that I hugged. I, I do that on occasion. And my I know you do like to that. hug a book, don't you? And you I, know, do. I love the idea that maths can be made beautiful. So I'm, mm. I'm on board for that. That sounds Yeah, great. no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then the second one I want to talk about is Not Alike by Shulin Moore and illustrated by Peter Shong. Now, this one I did as a giveaway in our newsletter not that long ago, but I've bought a couple of copies for my library. Uh, Let me read you the blurb. It's also a picture book. Reuben thinks it's impossible to tell Esme and Enru apart. They have the same dark hair, are both short, and they even wear the same school uniform. But just as he starts to learn who's who, the girls have a surprise in store for him. A funny and clever story about race and perception, inspired by the hashtag, sorry, wrong Asian. Now, (laughs) again, this one's for an early childhood audience. I just really have rather fallen in love with, with this one. It is about finding the difference in your friends and your peers and and your family friends, maybe anyone that you're interacting with and making the, you know, just making the effort to tell people apart. There is that, you know, um, I work in a school with a very high um, percentage of students who were born in other countries and sometimes, you know, we all, we, we played a fabulous game when we read this book where all of the kids from one country stood up and all of the kids from another country stood up and we talked about the similarities and we talked about the differences. What I really liked about this book is it allowed the the young boy, Reuben, in this book, he makes the decision and the surprising discovery that sometimes when you've got mates in your class that look a bit alike, you have to make the effort to find things out about them which make them different and you have to make that effort. No parent or teacher steps in and says, you know, it's not nice that you're mixing up those kids all the time, um, you know, whatever, whatever. The kids solve this problem for themselves, and I thought that was so clever. So it's just a really clever picture book, good one for schools like mine with a really high EALD population and, like, lots of different lovely groups of kids from different um, national national backgrounds. I've and seen it. Um, I've seen it all over social media. Have you? Like, it's been one of yeah. those books, yeah, and Zulin's um, – uh, her social media over the last couple of weeks in the lead up to the book launch has been so fun because she's been talking about all the instances in her life where, you know, people have confused her for someone else. And Valerie Koo, who, of course, was my co-host on the So yes. You Want to Be a Writer podcast, she launched the book and she was on her social media talking about instances where, you know, people had thought she was someone else and instances uh-huh. where, even instances where she had thought, you know, that she'd done the same thing, where she yeah. had confused people. Um, and I think that uh, I, I love that and I thought that was a really clever thing with with the uh, with the social media, the way that she's gone about that because it makes it so relatable. Oh, it does. You know, everyone's had the experience yeah. of either making the error or being confused for someone else and I think yeah. um, it's a really relatable uh, picture book and I think very clever. I, I and think it's, it's great. It's one of those situations that's very awkward when you oh, mistake so awkward. someone for somebody else but yeah. – 
you know, she just kind of takes away that awkwardness and just makes it about a kind of funny situation, but also that subtle message of, pay you know, attention. A, yeah, pay attention <laughs> and those microaggressions that do um, Absolutely. happen. Absolutely, and, and they so happen it's to really people clever. every single day. Oh, and I they think, do. I think yeah, it's great no, that picture books like this super. will bring it up and then oh, just super and show fun. it to kids. Yeah, yeah, really no, good. super fun, really good. And then my final book is um, Ash Barty Champion by Ash Barty. It is the younger readers edition of her memoir which came out last year it is for about an upper primary to lower secondary audience let me read you the blurb it's a tennis story uh really um it's a family story it's a teamwork story it's a story of how I got to where and who I am today my story is about the power and joy of doing that thing you love and seeing where it can take you it reflects on my whole tennis journey from the first time I picked up a racket as a young girl in Queensland to the night I packed up my tennis bag at Melbourne Park after winning the 2022 Australian Open. It explains how I worked through self-doubt, homesickness and a break from the sport to realise my tennis dreams, winning Wimbledon and ranking number one in the world. Maybe my story will inspire you to follow your dreams. I really hope it does. I am a big fan of Ashbardi. Um, she, The place where I purchase my chickens from, I have chickens in my backyard, Place. Okay. This is not a weird segue. Go with, go with the, you on this. Is that what you're saying? The, okay. Yeah, go with me. I've always noticed there's like three tennis courts where I purchase my chickens and it's about Acacia Ridgeway in Brisbane if you're local. And it's a heritage chicken poultry farm and they have all manner of very overpriced but delightful um, heritage breeds of chickens. And they actually, before they were chicken heritage chicken breeders, they were tennis trainers. And the owner actually trained Ash Barty. So she, you know, I just think that's such a delightful story. <laughs> that is amazing. I know. So I do have quite a soft spot for Ash Barty. And she seems to be a person that just gives so much to her fans. And I know that her adult memoir was a massive hit and the little ash books are a massive hit in my school library so i'm thinking that this younger readers memoir will be a real delight for tennis fans and fans of ash barty fantastic well i've got a couple of books as well i'm quite excited so i have got here um now this one actually has been out i think it came out earlier this month it's called carbon brown it's by edwina wyatt it's illustrated by evie barrow it is a hardback chapter book. Um, it's a really lovely edition. And I'm going with this one because we've got a little bit of a nature theme going on mm, today. So I decided mm. that I would talk about this one. I'll read you the back. Cub loves exploring the great outdoors. He is prepared for everything. Well, he tries to be. There are plenty of things to learn and tips to follow. However, Cub isn't quite sure what he would do if he ever met a bear in the woods. So when Cub meets Brown, he finds that the outdoors and the indoors are full of surprises, a beautiful and heartwarming tale of friendship and adventure. So it's a book for readers aged six to nine years old. It really feels like a grown-up book because mm -hmm. of the hardback and it's got that sort of old-fashioned, old-world sort of feel about it. Um, but it's got big type. It's got lovely illustrations throughout. And I think it would be a really lovely sort of book, you know, for readers in that sort of around the seven mark um, or being read to them and then also up to up to sort of nine. So, you know, Brown is a bear, Cub is a is a is a young boy, and it's just super sweet. Like it's a really lovely story. So I, I think it's described as a beautiful and heartwarming tale of friendship and adventure. And I feel like that's exactly what mm. it is. Like it just does what it says on the tin, and we love that. Now, my next book. And I need you to brace yourself. Okay, okay. I don't want to panic you. Okay. 
but this is my first Christmas no. picture book. Yep, no, no, I've got my first Christmas picture book. No, I'm getting in early because I'm going to be first this year. It's called A Christmas Present for Rue. It's by Sophie Sale. It's illustrated by Darren Parton. It is available in shops as we speak. It is out there. Um, and it is an Australian Christmas book. Um, mm-hmm. It is super cute. It's got Australian animals throughout. Like it's a really, like it's really, really cute. Okay, Let me read I'll the back. You. It's it's got sparkly. It's got sparkly type on the front. There's oh, okay. All right, you got it, me. Am I, am I got you now? All right. It's Christmas Eve, and Sleepy Echidna still doesn't have a present for her friend Rue. Maybe she could make something. Let's do that on Christmas Eve. But Christmas craft doesn't always go to plan. So uh, if you're planning your Christmas. I'm just all I'm saying is if you're planning your Christmas books and your Christmas purchases and you're looking for an Australian book to send overseas, this could be one for you because you know it can go sea mail and you know and you've got heaps of time to get it there. <laughs> and I promise that's my last Christmas book for a little minute or two. All right, my next one is called Every Night at Midnight and it is by Peter I was going to say Cheng. How did you pronounce his last name? Look, I actually um, watched two YouTube clips earlier today. <laughs> right. And they said Chong. But Chong. You- oh, that, no, that makes more sense because it was mm-hmm. definitely an Ong sound. It's, it's C-H-E-O-N-G. Apologies. We do do our best, but we're not always on, on point with the pronunciations. But we are very, very good at helping to talk about the books. So I hope you'll forgive us. Um, Every Night at Midnight is a lovely, lovely, lovely picture book. I'll read you the back. Every Night at Midnight, Felix turns into a wolf. There's no one else like him or is there. A tender and whimsical picture book about finding friendship in unexpected places. The end papers are beautiful. The colour palette is limited but it is absolutely beautiful. It's all about, you know, feeling like you're different, feeling like there's no one else in the world that is actually like you um, and then finding out that maybe there is somebody like you out there. And I, I just, it's just a lovely looking book. Like I, what I a saw glorious the cover. cover. Yes, it's a beautiful cover. The mm. illustrations are so gorgeous. The, the drawings of the houses are just absolutely stunning. Um, I just, it's really whimsical, but it's really, really stylish. Um, And I was reading the press release because I do that sometimes. And Peter says, my book is for anyone who feels different or afraid to open up. The idea came from a love of paranormal fiction and urban fantasy and a string of words I could not get out of my head. Every night at midnight, I turn into a wolf. And that's the thing I think got me about it too, because Mm. you don't often see that fantasy idea. Mm. You know, this is a werewolf situation. We have small Mm. werewolf, but Mm. werewolf nonetheless. You don't often see that in in picture books. And so I was really attracted to that aspect of it as well. So I think it's, you know, it's really, really lovely and it helps people to realise that they're not alone. So Peter's having a moment. Peter's having a big moment. 100 million points to you, Peter, because it's absolutely stunning. And that was our book mail for this week. Do you have a kid aged 9 to 14 who loves to write or one who'd love to write better? Send them on a creative writing quest with best-selling author Alison Tate. With 12 online modules, the course will take your young writer from ideas to finished story with personalised video feedback from Alison on their complete masterpiece. Find out more at writercenter.com.au forward slash quest. That's writercenter.com.au forward slash quest. All right, Megan Daly, 
it is time for our bingo question of the week. The bingo questions are the kinds of questions that come up over and over again in the Your Kids Next Read Facebook community. And this week, you have brought the bingo. Mm. This is this is all mm-hmm. about you. Um, talk us through what we are talking about today. Look, I wanted to talk about some, I've just seen a deluge, I'm going to say, of books about getting into nature and being outside of late. And I really wanted to take a moment and pause and remind everybody that Nature Book Week is coming up in September. It is from I didn't the even f- know that was a thing until you yeah. told me. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. yeah, it's run by the Wilderness Society and it's from the 4th to the 10th of September. They have a range of events all around Australia. I've been involved in some of those events in the past. Um, we've liked to have been involved this week, but I am like really busy. Um, but I love Nature Book Week because it, you know, it just puts the focus on those books which are set outside. And you mm. and I both are big gardeners and love mm. being outside ourselves. And so I just saw, I've seen a huge amount of books, as I said lately, about nature. And I thought, oh, let's just take a moment to. Think about Nature Book Week. It culminates in the announcement of the winners of the 2023 Environment Awards for Children's Literature, which are also run by the Wilderness Society. I have been following that award for a very long time. It's been around since 1994, and I've always purchased those books that win and are shortlisted for my school library because they've always been ones which are really good at promoting a love of nature in young people. So I've always followed those awards and Nature Book Week is something I can totally get behind as well. Mm. Um, I think that for me, when I think about kids and being in nature, I just think being in the natural world provides a wealth of opportunities for children to learn and to grow and develop that really deep connection with the environment by immersing themselves in nature and issues you know, around sustainability. I think that we help children to become curious and cultivate a sense of wonder and respect for the world around them. And it's through being in nature and reading books about nature that they develop this foundation for understanding sustainability and their role as stewards of the earth, which we all are. And I I feel really, um, you know, I feel really strongly. I've got a rainforest at school, which I take the kids into regularly. I feel very strongly about reading books in nature with the students at my school. I have always taken books with us when we've gone bushwalking as a family or I was going to say camping, but we've actually only done that once. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, can... I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the entire podcast community mm. remembers that particular mm. event. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. So look, uh. I, I want to pretend that we're a camping family, but we're more of a road tripping family. We get out and we look at nature and then we get back in the car. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to be upfront about that. I cannot be all things to all people, no. but I do love getting my kids out into nature. And something I find really interesting is um, when I take kids into our school rainforest or when I took recently a group of early um, years educators into our school rainforest, I could see the anxiety. I could see that fear of what if there's spiders, what if there's snakes. I get my students and I had these adults sit down on logs in the leaf litter and people felt really anxious. And I think it's just really nice to um, kind of plonk yourself in the leaf litter or sit down delicately in the leaf litter and just <laughs> be okay with that and just take a moment to work through what you're feeling nervous about. And when I read books in that setting, I just see a lot of that anxiety slip away. So I love stories that tackle themes 
of nature and sustainability because I think they provide a really good platform for discussion, enabling children and adults to gather ideas and embark on on journeys of of learning and action about the environment. So Mm. I thought I'd just share some new books. Yes, because we have talked about, um, we have done some, you know, books to get kids outdoors mm-hmm. and things like that in the past. I think episode 29 was yep. that outdoor books. Yeah. Yep. Um, because we do love them. We do talk we about do. them a lot. And mm. anything that inspires um, kids to just even just go and have a moment out there. Any If they want to weed the garden while they're there, mm-hmm. I am absolutely on board for that. You're on board well. for that. Um, but if you just want to go and lie out there and, and in the grass and stare up at the sky, that is also fine with me too. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good thing. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the busyness of our lives, don't we, that, you know, it, it is really good. Like I'm a big fan of throwing my children outdoors on the weekend and saying, you know, don't come back in for a while. It's it's good to just to do that with your kids. Um, so so what have you got? Through, Talk us through know, the books. Take you through some of my books. My first one is one I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to mention it again. It's A Light, A Story of Fire, a story of fire and Nature. It's by Dr. Sam Lloyd and the illustrations are by Samantha Metcalf. I will, full disclosure, um, Sam Lloyd is my neighbour, and uh, but she has a PhD in fire ecology and does amazing work as a fire ecologist. And she's written this book, which was published by CSIRO Publishing, and it is just the most stunning picture book, which takes you through the importance of planned bushfire management. But there's also a narrative thread running through it. It's got characters like old Eucalypt and Wallen Banks here and Christmas Bells and Antichinus. And these characters, you know, they help dr- um, drive the narrative. But then there's all this information as well, subtly woven through about the importance of bushfire management and planned fires. So it's a really, really interesting one to have a look at. There's then In My Garden by Kate Mayers and illustrated by Tamsin Ainsley. Now, this one is brand new. In fact, I think it is only out the week this podcast drops. For starters, stunning end papers full of all sorts of, I know. For the end paper wallpaper collection. I know. <laughs> stunning flowers and trees and all sorts of flora and fauna. It is a book which celebrates gardens all around the world. And I'll just read you part of the blurb. In our gardens are where we belong, planting, watching, growing, dreaming. In our gardens, something out of nothing comes. And it's basically children from all around the world sharing their gardens, from blossoming flowers in Japan to frozen landscapes in Iceland and the bush tracks of Australia. It's just a really glorious celebration of gardens. I think mm. you'd really like that. One, I would Anne. love it, yes. Mm. And then there's The Tiny Tailors by Kate McLeod. And this one is um, some little tiny people making costumes for the upcoming spring parade. And berries, daisies and feathers are, are made into these fabulous outfits. I have always loved fairies and particularly garden fairies and the idea that there is just, you know, snuck a pot and cuddle pie. I just love them. I just love the idea of tiny people living in my garden. And so this book really appealed to me. They make the most glorious costumes. It's a beautifully designed book and they make the most glorious costumes out of flowers. It's one for the fashion lover, but also one for the child who really, really loves nature. The next one is, a again, a very brand new title. It's called Leaf Light by Trace Bella, a story about caring for each other. Now, if you haven't experienced a Trace Bella book before, I find them very hard to um, categorise. They are not a graphic novel. They Well, they're 
a graphic novel, they're a picture book. They are for, I think, a middle to upper primary audience. They're a nature journal as much as anything else. Um, she has got graphic book style illustrations in that the illustrations are in frames, but then with this beautiful lyrical text all around the frames and woven throughout the frames. She has labels on most of the plants, particularly the ones indigenous to the area. And in this book, we meet Miri, who has a special spot high up among the dappled leaf light in a tree. And below her neighbour, Wingo, who has two joeys and a wombat, um, also ends up with a baby emu. They are a family who looks after wildlife. It's a story about friendship. It's about taking down those barriers and creating community, finding your own path in the world. And it's incredibly unique. Um, it's quite long. It would take, I did read it aloud to a year two class. It took me about half an hour to read. They were transfixed and many of them have put that one on reserve. So if you don't know the work of Trace Bella, have a look at some of her YouTube clips online of her doing nature journaling. They're just gorgeous. And then I've got Songlines by Margot Neal and Lynn Kelly with illustrations by Black Douglas. And this one is about how do you find your way around, get your food and drink from nature, connect with family and friends in nature? Um, mm. How do you know the right and safe way to do things or how to make things? Before the white people came to the continent, all Australian Aboriginal people knew, all Aboriginal Australian People knew how to do all of these things and much more. And it talks about song lines and art and science. And it's just this very, very engaging, inviting for a young audience, introduction to Indigenous traditional knowledge, how they apply today and, you know, how they can help us all to thrive in our Australian environment. So it's a really quite a powerful book. It's actually not out until later in the year in October. So this is one that I would pre-order for school libraries. And then my final one is also about fire. It's part of a series called Country, um, which has a number of First Nations editors. This one is called Future Fire, Future Farming. And this whole series offers an introduction, again, to Indigenous knowledges in vital areas. This one in particular is looking at Indigenous use of fire and Indigenous farming. So it's a really interesting look. This one would be for an, um, I'm going to say, lower secondary audience, whereas song lines you could use in middle to upper primary. Okay. But for country, future fire, future farming, I would definitely say, um, you know, maybe a lower secondary. But just some really beautiful books have come across my desk lately, which they're, are all they're just about been, nature. We've had so many. Like the mm. last year or so, there's just been so many amazing ones. Like mm -hmm. we had The Book of Australian Trees by Inga Simpson, which mm -hmm. I absolutely love, illustrated by Alicia Rogerson. Um, my friend Melissa Milcrease did the Rewilding Kids Australia um, book, which was, you know, it's a national book. It's got activities for kids to go and do all sorts of different things. Um, we both talked about the Your Wild Journal, the Guided Na Nature yes. Journal by Brooke Davis, who I believe is actually an author member of the Your Kids Next Re Read community. Um, the Nature Storybooks, the Walker Books, Nature, what are they called? Nature Storybooks? Yeah, Nature Storybooks. Yeah. Yeah. So they had Se Searching for Cicadas by Leslie Gibbs, illustrated by Judy Watson. There was that great one by Sue Whiting about the echidna, mm -hmm. echidna in my place, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's see. Whose book is next in that series? Oh, let me think about that. Who could it possibly be? Oh, oh, oh Megan Daly, could it be you now that we're talking about those books? 
Native bees coming my yep. way, is that yep. correct? Yes, yep. the bee live like... February 2024. People. There you go. We'll be talking about that in February. There'll be lots of bee talk in mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was great. Like I, I think, I, I, you know, as I said, we could talk about nature books for 100 million years mm. and probably would, but we should probably move right on mm-hmm. to our quick tips for this week. Um, now, I've got one I don't believe you have because you've just talked for an hour and a half about <laughs> nature books, so you're done and dusted. But I've got one for educators. Um, if you've been following all the Book Week posts on social media, um, and there's been a lot, like the, it's all been flooding, there's been so much exciting stuff. If you've spotted an author or an illustrator or a creator of any kind that you would love to have at your school for Book Week next year, get in touch with them now. Um, I know that sounds insane. We've only we haven't no, even swept, it really like, does. We haven't even swept up the glitter from mm-hmm. from um, the current book week. But um, actual book week itself, in particular, books out really, really early. So start making inquiries about costs, available dates, and things like that. You know, now it really pays to be prepared, particularly when it comes to some of those really popular authors um, who are just on the road for weeks on end. I mean, I spent time with Jackie Harvey. She was into her fourth week of. Um, author visits by the time I caught up with her and she was having, we had one day. That's on the, a lot. <laughs> oh, so I don't know how she does it. We had our one day on the Friday of where we decided we wouldn't book a visit. We would just make our way quietly back to Sydney and that was her first day off that she'd had in four, like a weekday off that she'd had in four weeks. So if you want, you know, those really popular authors, you need to get in early. Um, but, you know, I've organised my first visit for July, August now. Today I've done my, it's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the calendar. Um, so it's already started. So you need to think about what you're going to do. But also remember that you can have an author talk anytime. It doesn't have to be book week. Um, if if your school does its creative writing block in May, then organise your author for then, like have the talks then because the impact will be felt for a long time Um, and if it's quieter in the school, then the opportunity to actually, you know, talk to kids and do those workshops is actually easier. Book week is such a tiz that it's actually, you know, like if you really want to do some solid writing workshops, do them outside of book week. It's actually a better time of year. So that's Mm. my quick tip for Mm. this week. Good one, really good one. And that pretty much wraps us up. What are you up to for the, you know, for the foreseeable future? Well, on my fifth trip to Spotlight during book week, <laughs> hashtag not sponsored, this time to get pipe cleaners to make my headpiece for my final costume, I um, the beekeeper came with me and um, as we were walking around Spotlight, he got a, a phone call from the almond growers in Mildura, which has upended the rest of my week. So he has bees. We live in Brisbane, people. Mm. He drives down to Mildura, which is in Victoria, to pollinate the almonds. And then he has to get them from Mildura to Bundaberg to pollinate the avocados. And I'm hearing all of this go down in the cricket aisle of Spotlight while he's saying, oh, right, so the flowers have come out early, have they? Yeah, it's quite hot, isn't it? Okay, so some of the buds are opening. Right, well, let me see if I can get a load of bees up there for tomorrow night. And I'm just thinking, "Mm -hmm, there goes my, mm -hmm, yep, okay, good. So (laughs) as always in agriculture, um, don't get too special. Well, the weather just determines mm, everything. So it it's does. suddenly got quite hot. Avocados have started flowering. We need bees ASAP. So um, our I think our weekend plans may now be involving him driving back to Mildura too. Sounds, sounds like that's the case. Well, I'm actually just really looking forward to spending some time in my office. I've got some new story oh, ideas. Yes. I want to start putting those things together. We've got some exciting plans, Your Kids Next Read plans, which I'll mm, be starting to share um, next week. And so 
um, I've just got a long list of things that just need to be organized. I'm, I'll be mm. organizing and 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 also, you know, putting together some ideas and doing some writing. Oh, mm. Alison, what a shock. <laughs> Don't fall over, everyone. She's going to actually write something. Um, all right, so where will we find you, you know, while you're, high, while you're sort of hunkered down while the bees yeah. are in Mildura? <laughs> you'll find me at childrensbooksdaily.com and you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at, at childrensbooksdaily. And you will find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. Lots and lots of writing tips for kids and adults on that website. So if you are, you know, putting together some sort of content for, for your classes or whatever, they're all there. Um, you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. Um, and that's pretty much the only places I go these days. I'm too busy doing other things. But you can always find us in the Your Kids Next Read community on Facebook as well. And we would absolutely love to see you there. Um, so until we meet again, see you next time. See you later.